Hello, ladies and gentlemen. How is everybody doing today? Welcome, welcome, welcome to a brand new edition of The Sea Report. We are coming to you live on this Monday, February 7th, 2021. And I am your host, Mr. C, breaking it to you, Ladies and gentlemen, on this Monday evening, it's been quite a lovely day here in my neck of the woods. I hope it's been the same for you, ladies and gentlemen, but uh, we're happy to be here with you all again on another fantabulous episode. We're the only, we can make news fantabulous here at the Sea Report. I just thought I should let you know. And, uh, well, it's, 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 it's going to be one of those shows, ladies and gentlemen. One of those shows. As I promised you all this past weekend and throughout the entirety of the end of last week, uh, we have very specific topics to get into today. Man, there is a lot of things going on right now, that is for sure. If any of you guys are news hounds or people who just can't help but to be, uh, you know, um, uh, nosy enough to wonder what the heck is going on in this country and what the heck is going on around the world, then you know that there's a lot of stuff going on right now. A lot of stuff that is value added, a lot of stuff that is essential, and a lot of gray matter and a lot of distraction. Uh, but that kind of matters not at these uh, times and days, ladies and gentlemen, because you are here at the Sea Report, where we will take all of that smatter of information, and we will curate it to specifications as seen appropriate by the host. That would be yo. That's Spanish for me, or I. Anyways, thank you all for joining us tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you all are doing well this evening. We are coming to you live on multiple uh, platforms, but not too many. We're kind of getting to the point where we're only streaming to the important platforms, the ones that have a lot of reach, which is actually essentially uh, the antithesis of diversification. But uh, screw that. We're coming to you guys live at the foxhole.net, or the, pardon me, the foxhole.app, pill.net, uh, Clout Hub, Rumble, and the Twitchers, ladies and gentlemen. That's where uh, you will get the uh, spectrum of tonight's show. And uh, I definitely appreciate and thank you all for joining us live if you are with us as we are live streaming at this moment. Uh, and we are, uh, we, we have, we have a full show for you guys tonight, a full show, I'm pretty sure. So let me do some housekeeping before we get going. Uh, first of all, I would also like to encourage any of our viewers who are hanging out with us today, say that there's a day that perhaps you just can't catch the C report. Say you have a very important school project you're working on, which I 
doubt in the most because the demographics of my show are not even, you know, high school to college age kids. Uh, it's mostly millennials and North as far as the demographics of my show go. But that's not the point. Say you're a late bloomer university student. Yeah, and you just, you know, you got to cram. So you cannot watch the show. You cannot have your eyeballs glued to a screen. Say you have uh, that New Year's resolution to go and jog off that extra body that's been clinging onto your body that you know is hiding underneath those two bodies that you've put on over the winter. Say you got some kind of project you want to work on, so you just cannot catch the C-Report Live. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I just got to say, you can absolutely go and head over to anchor.fm slash the C-Report. I got the uh, address spilled out on the screen for you now, so you can check out these reports in podcast pla- uh, in podcast version which i would say is is uh, is a very good uh what's the word it's a very good uh substitute it's a very good variation of the show uh if you're the kind of person that would rather hear than uh, watch well ladies and gentlemen you can be sure that you can catch the c report over at our uh podcast version of the show now you can actually you can actually do this. You can catch the C report on most if not all major pod pla- podcast platforms and including the not so well known. I've never heard of Blueberry, I've never heard of Himalaya, uh but we're there so you can check out uh, our podcast on that platform. Somehow we got on Podbean. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'll take it. We're on Stitcher. We're on Breaker. We're on Radio Public. We're on Spotify. We're on Go Ogle app podcasts. And we're also on Apple podcasts. But uh, the Spotify thing, guys. Now, here's what I was thinking, ladies and gentlemen. Because a lot of you guys probably wonder... A lot of you guys probably wonder, like I do, uh, because as you know, in this world of censorship and Orwellian tyranny, if you speak the truth, you are most likely going to be shut down summarily and objectionally, not even subjection, objectionally shut down. So, um, you know, I'm sitting here twiddling my thumbs uh, wondering, uh, do you see how many thumbs I have, ladies and gentlemen? If you're on the podcast, you would have to be watching the live stream to see how many thumbs I have. But I sit here twiddling my thumbs, hearing these stories of Joe Rogaine. I mean, pardon me, I need Rogaine. Joe Rogan getting his podcast, uh, you know, censored, right? And I think to myself, boy, gee, howdy, I have known of podcasts that have been censored off of Spotify. And yet, the C-Report, regardless of the fact that we talk about COVID-19 and that fake pandemic, regardless of the fact that we talk about ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, regardless of the fact that we talk about uh, uh, election integrity and the theft of uh, the White House, and regardless of the fact that we talk about that we love President Trump and we love America and it's all about Save America First and making America great again, and we will make America great again, WWMAGA. We have not been censored, okay? 
I even have some non-Sea Report episodes on my podcast that have managed to last this long with titles like this COVID-19 pandemic is bullshit and they still have refused to you know, censor my podcast. I know the main reason why is because we are humble potatoes here at the Sea Report, but that is neither here nor there. The point of this little uh, story I'm telling you is that even though we're sitting back and we're watching other potato heads like Joe Rogan, because we, but I might say that Joe Rogan and I, we have finely crafted skulls, ladies and gentlemen, but he's facing all of these hammers of censorship, right? Uh, a lot of interesting turns of events going on in that arena, ladies and gentlemen. Now, picture this. You started off as a comedian at the, uh, at the comedy, uh, I don't even remember what it's called. They would probably kill me for this. The, uh, uh, the, uh, the comedy store. I, I know that is not what it's called. I'm not even trying. Anyways, and then you go on to, uh, host all these shows on, like, FX television, and, and you're a, a great stand-up comedian, and you get into, uh, you know, a, a public dispute with, like, you know, like, knockoffs, like, uh, you, that Mencia guy. And then you get your own podcast. You're ahead of your time. You're just blossoming beyond compare. You come up with a cheesy name like The Experience. And I could say that, Joe, because after all, I didn't even know you existed. And I used to have a podcast called The Experience. <laughs> Anyways, okay. And then you blow up. You get really, really highly respected. And you grow out. And then the hammer of censorship, pa, 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 comes down on you. And they're hitting you right on the top of your noggin. And they're like, you can't say that, Joe. And you're just like, well, you know, I have a bigger audience and a wider reach as far as demographics and just period it goes. You really can't do that to me, particularly because he did all of this on his own. He didn't, you know, seek out the approval of agents and producers and all of that jazz. And then they pull out strike two. They're like... This is it, Joe Rogan. We might not have gotten you for your ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, chloroquine healing of COVID-19, which thereby shattered the entire paradigm and matrix and uh, what is that other word that people like to use about things that are not really there? Uh, um, uh, it starts with an X or a Z. Anyways, you might have broken that, but we'll get you like this, Joe Rogan. You a racist, Joe Rogan. Anyway, so that happens. Now, as one might imagine, particularly if you are paying attention to all this stuff and really following all of the censorship and all of the, uh, the shadow banning and all of the, um, uh, what is that thing called where they just cancel you? Yeah, all the cancellations of everybody. Rumble goes up and offers Joe Rogan, like, what, $100 million for four years? Four years. That's $25 million. <laughs> That's $25 million a year for Joe Rogan. 
Now, the question is, is Joe Rogan going to take it? But here is the kicker, ladies and gentlemen. The reason why I believe Rumble offered Joe Rogan that vast swath of money, aside from the fact that the man earned it because the man has the reach and the pull and the tenacity to have kept a podcast such as that alive for so long, is because all of a sudden he's getting censored on Spotify. They pulled like, what, 70 or 80 of his episodes, right? And then, ladies and gentlemen, and then this this fun factoid comes out. So I don't know where this is going to play into the grand scheme of things, particularly when you have platforms like Rumble offering him money. You got uh, you got uh, you got swervy hipped individuals like the uh, heroic and admirable James O'Keefe offering him his advice. Uh, and I, I stand behind the advice that the, these individuals say to him. Don't give in, Joe Rogan. Don't submit. Don't play the game of cancel culture and leftist wacko SJW, uh, you know, uh, um, virtue signaling buttholes. Like, don't do it. Just leave the pussy hats to themselves. But the fact of the matter is, according to the CEO of Spotify... Joe Rogan self-censored. He pulled, he is the one who pulled those 70 to 80 shows, not Spotify. I know when I read the headline, it was like, the headline said, CEO of Spotify clarifies the censorship of Joe Rogan. I was expecting the article to say something like, Rogue and SJW virtue signaling leftist communist sympathizing employees of Spotify pull Joe Rogan's episodes without the permission of the company. But that's not the way it went. So I don't know. We'll see where it goes. I mean, maybe by Joe Rogan self-censoring, he's beating the left to the punch. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like when you... uh, make fun of yourself so the bully has no power, kind of what I'm thinking it is. Or maybe he really had a moment where he was like, that was wrong, Joe. Maybe I shouldn't have said that back in the day, back when everyone... And the only thing, the only other thing about that is that none of what he was saying, except for maybe one of them, was out of context, okay? And, and, when I say that, I mean he never used the N word out of context, but he he did call black people the planet of the apes. With <laughs> why am I laughing? I'm gonna get censored. They're gonna kick me off of Joe Rogan. I mean, they're gonna kick me off of Spotify. I should just shut up. Anyways, the point being here, ladies and gentlemen, the entire reason why I made that short story long is because we're still on Spotify. So if you would like to subscribe to free to the C Report on Spotify, well. Ladies and gentlemen, rest assured, get it while you can. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, I would say uh, we are now streaming live on Rumble. So, you know, if you uh, if you are a Rumbler, then I would say, hey, go on ahead and check us out at Rumble. I'm sorry I don't have the address here for you to uh, link to, but all you have to do is search Mr. C TV or uh, I find that searches with Mr. C in the dark come up pretty readily. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And uh, that way, ladies and gentlemen, you'll never miss an episode. We do the live streaming here on Rumble as well. We're very happy to be on the platform. And now we've got a lot to cover, guys. Okay, now let me tell you, just as I promised this past weekend and the past few days of last week, 
we will be covering the Eric situation. Now, who is Eric, ladies and gentlemen? That is the Election Registration Information Center, okay? This is the National Voter Registration Database that we are going to dig into tonight, ladies and gentlemen. But before we get into that, as always, we absolutely have to cover our Trump statements, right? Because President Trump leads here at the Sea Report. But wait, before we get to President Trump and his statements, and President Trump always leads at the Sea Report, I just have to say one thing. We have very late breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. This news is so late breaking, they have not even written any articles on this. There are no articles written on this brand new news, which I'm like, wow, are we actually breaking news today? Because we don't normally do that here at the Sea Report. We just share the news. But ladies and gentlemen, may I be one of the first to inform, unless you follow Liz Harris on Twitter that the state of Arizona has now laid down a bill that will officially, if accepted and it passes through committee and passes vote, decertify the 2020 election of whatever all that crap that happened to it. Guys, okay, are, okay, are, hear me now, ladies and gentlemen. I put Arizona in spot number four for decertification, guys. They have just moved up to spot number one for decertification. We have a brand new press release from uh, Arizona House Representative Mark Fincham, who has introduced legislation to officially decertify the 2020 general election of the year 2020. Can you guys believe this? I'm telling you, all it took was um, Representative Rantham up there in Wisconsin to just get the ball rolling. And how many states do you think are going to follow suit now? We're up to two. We're up to two who are introducing legislation to decertify. It's like a buy, sell, buy, sell. They've went from uh, do not buy to purchase to they're on fire, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Arizona is now at the top of the race. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, Arizona was at the top of the race when they did their full on forensic audit and everyone else was piddling their thumbs or their audits were pushed back into appeals by way of the courts. So guys, cheers, because guess what? We got state number two that has the language of the certification. Now, this resolution that has been introduced by Mark Fincham, who is also candidate for Secretary of State in the state of Arizona. This resolution is not about recalling the electors, which if you recall the electors on some technical term, that means that you are going to decertify the election because you cannot recall electors without decertifying an election. If you recall them, your election is decertified, okay? So, the language of this resolution is exactly that. Not about recalling electors, but specifically about decertifying 2020 in three counties, count them three, counties in Arizona, which basically would decertify the entire election. Now, this news is coming ahead of President Trump because this 
Like I said, they have not even written articles about this. No one has written articles about this. Like, not the Gateway Pundit, not Just the News, not Breitbart, and Breitbart doesn't usually write too much about this topic. Not Definitely not the Epoch Times. Um, and those are some of the independent, uh, you know, magazines, ragazines, news agencies that we go to to get our stories. But let's see what Mark Fincham's press release has to say, ladies and gentlemen. We're quite excited here at the Sea Report Studios because Ladies and gentlemen, this is the uh, topic du jour. This is the moment. This is history. This is American history unlike ever seen before and will not be seen again, hopefully, ever. All right. It says here for immediate release Monday, February 7th. Representative Fincham introduces resolution to set aside and decertify three 2020 county elections. It says State Representative Mark Fincham has introduced to HCR 2033 a concurrent resolution calling for the, elevate, uh, the elections of Maricopa, Pima, and Yuma counties to be set aside based on clear and convincing evidence that the elections in those counties were irredeemably compromised. Statement from Representative, Representative Fincham. Representative Fincham says, The circumstances surrounding these elections undermine voter confidence in the election system. Moreover, they ultimately translate into doubts about election integrity. The question first raised over a year ago about the legitimacy of the 2020 general election persists. Evidence and testimony collected since November 3rd, 2020 has reached the point of clear and convincing and is now in the hands of the Arizona Attorney General for action. Citations of various elements justifying the resolution can be found in the body of the resolution. We have debunked the baseless claims narrative promotion, a narrative promoted by the the baseless claims narrative promoted by the propaganda pushing media and are now on the business of providing specific relief to the people. While some may say there is no valid constitutional nor statutory grounds for such an action, they are clearly disregarding long-standing jurisprudence. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the United States Constitution provides in relevant part, each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislative thereof may direct a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in Congress. United States Constitutional um, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2, emphasis added. The Supreme Court has described the constitutional authority of the state legislatures to determine the manner of choosing electors as plenary. The Supreme Court of the United States has even noted that whatever provisions may be made by statute or by the state constitution to choose electors by the people there is no doubt of the right of the legislature to resume the power at any time. One significant common law principle is that actions taken as the result of fraud or illegality are void ab initio and can be rescinded. 
The principle has been applied to reverse a fraudulent election even after the election was certified and the illegally certified candidate was sworn in and sitting in the legislature. That there is no process under current law for the Arizona legislature to decertify an election does not mean that the legislature cannot provide a remedy for outcome determinative fraud and illegality in the conduct of the election. Exercising powers it has directly from Article 2 of the Federal Constitution, for as the Supreme Court stated in McPherson, there is no doubt of the right of the legislature to resume the power to appoint electors at any time, for it can neither be taken away nor abdicated. In the case of Maricopa, Pima, and Yuma counties, the fact there is evidence showing illegal acts occur, whether by intent or omission, does not matter. The margin of error exceeds the margin of victory. If we are a nation governed by the rule of law, as we so often espouse, then violations of the law must have consequences. In that regard, the 2020 general election is irredeemably compromised, and it is impossible to name a clear winner of this competition. What you think about that, ladies and gentlemen? I think a lot about that personally. I think a lot about that laying in bed at night wondering when Arizona will ever decertify their elections. And here, here, on this day of Monday, February 7th, they have started down that path. Granted, that path was paved during their forensic audit. And uh, I have on good word, based on what some people say, that, in fact, the uh, Attorney General of... Arizona, Mark Burnovich, whom I often refer to as the hibernating bear, is actually on it, ladies and gentlemen. So that, you know, that only goes to further my beliefs. However, this type of action, because I've been saying, guys, there's so much evidence to cause a lack of confidence in the elections in such states as Arizona Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, there's so much evidence that, you know, just having that lack of confidence based on um, empirical evidence, one should be able to decertify their election. So I am quite happy to see that Arizona has finally jumped onto that bandwagon, ladies and gentlemen, and maybe they'll decertify before Brnovich even gets to arresting people. And uh, he may, ladies and gentlemen, he may end up arresting people. Now, I, I really love the way that Mark Fincham spelled out exactly how it is that they are able to make these decertifications, this lack of confidence in their election, pointing back to the Constitution of the United States of America, pointing back to specific, goal, specific articles, sections, and subsections, 
But one thing I think that is also important to note, because that's the number one thing you hear from the rhinos, the number one thing you hear from the treasonous Democrats, the number one thing that you hear from anyone that does not want justice to prevail and does not want safe, secure, and sound elections in our country, that does not want the people of this country to have their sovereignty or their freedom or their liberty, is that the Constitution gives us no way to decertify. It doesn't say that. Well, you know what? That's a bunch of horsewash. Because the Constitution is a limiting document. Everybody knows this. If a blue-collar hack like myself can understand that the document that is our founding, um, our founding, uh, you know, uh, uh, regimen is a limiting, by a limiting document. What that means, America, is that everything spelled out in the Constitution tells you what the government cannot do. It doesn't tell you what you can't do. Okay, Article 2 and the sections that Mark Fincham read or quoted, cited here, clearly say that we have that right because it doesn't say that the states don't have that right. The the Constitution is a limiting document for the federal government. Everything else reverts back to the states per the Ninth and Tenth Amendment, which means we, as those having that plenary power to make that uh, decision, that is to say, well, if, you know, the Constitution doesn't give us a path to decertification, well, screw that, because it's limiting. It's a limiting document. If the state constitution does not give them a path for decertification, well, guess what? You get to be the trailblazers that make that path up so we can ensure that we never get into this spot ever again, ladies and gentlemen. And may everyone who has produced children remind their children of these times so that they don't ever have to go through this again either. So I had to say that ahead of President Trump's uh, statements for today, guys, because it is absolutely... Oh boy. It is absolutely amazing to see these things unfolding before our eyes. Now, you don't forget, guys, you are living history right now. You are living in history. We have been living in history since like 2016, y'all. Do y'all appreciate that? I hope you guys appreciate that because these times will be talked about and these times will be written about and these times will be studied and everyone's going to be wondering what was grandpa? Well, I don't think... Never mind. What was great grandpa Aurelius Locke doing during those times? Sorry, Aurelius, I had to use you as uh, an example because I'm not going to be a grandpa. Anyways, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, the text I have here, we're not going to read this, but this is the text of uh, Mark Fincham's um, uh, um, resolution here, HCR 2033. And uh, it's it spells out everything in this document here, guys. It spells out everything. Uh, what I will do is I will save the link to this document so that as soon as I get the C report up and running again, um, the C-Report.com up and running again, we'll have this article linked there for anyone to care to peruse it. And I will, well, actually, I'll do that right now. I will, would you go away? I am going to actually save this. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you are a researcher, if you are a podcaster, if you are a live streamer, save whatever documents you can because they could go missing. 
I'm telling you, it happens to me all the time. I'm like, that document was just there in the summer and it's gone now. Uh, Arizona decertification. Okay, so I'm going to save this for my files because then it's going to vanish. And then, you know, if anything goes south, this thing will be wiped off the face. They'll be like, Mark Fincham never introduced a house resolution. What are you talking about, Mr. C? I got the document. Okay. But what I'll do is I will, um, I will link this on the creport.com. As soon as I get the revamp up, I'm I'm working like crazy right now to get the C report back up and running. We got a, we got a holder page, a filler page, you know, right now, but, uh, I'm working on some uh, other bigger things for that website. So uh, that's including source links, resources, documents, etc., for everyone to uh, peruse at their convenience. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and see what uh, the first statement. And we had a lot of statements from President Trump. The man was busy over the weekend and he released a, an onslaught, a furl of statements today alone. We're going to read the ones that are more pertinent to our episode today because the other uh, statements he has, I kind of feel like I got some stuff to say about that, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, let's go ahead and move on with this. This first statement from President Trump says, oh, some more good news. Congratulations to the Republican National Committee and its chairwoman, Rona, I'm the niece of Mitt Romney McDaniel. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Chairwoman Rona, I'm the niece of Mittens Romney McDaniel. On their great ruling in censuring Liz Cheney and crying Adam Kinsinger. Two horrible rhinos who put themselves ahead of our country. They have almost no approval ratings. Uh, and uh, the Republican Party would be far better off without them. It's almost as if, though, getting rid of uh, Adam Kinsinger and Liz Cheney would absolutely save the uh, RNC, the GOP, and any of these House representatives, these rhinos. Do you really think it would save them? No, I think it's a, a step in the right direction, obviously. You want to get you want to chop off the heads of the of the the parent rhinos, the main rhinos, or maybe you want to dig up the roots of the rhinos who like me rhino, me influence all of you and me powerful. Uh, let's get rid of Rona McDaniels, you know, in addition to that. You know what? In fact, how about we get rid of all of the uh, GOP and replace them with a representative force that will approve of the will of the people, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I'm talking about. Like, there are so many rhinos and so many treasonous hacks and so many communists sitting in office right now. Most of them don't deserve to be there. Most of them, if not all of them, 98.5% um, of them, right? They all got there by means of this, uh, of the, I, I'm tired of this, okay? They all got there by means of a fraudulent and illegal election. And we know that because they sat quiet as our country was taken over by some international force, okay? I am done with it, okay? What they're doing at the state level, not the federal level, but what they're doing at the state level to take our country back, 
to decertify these elections? That's what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen. That is 100% what I'm talking about. You know, because people are like, all of them, they're all, you know, they're all bad people. Well, look at your state level. Don't focus on the federal Capitol Hill sellout treasonous American representatives. Don't focus on those guys. Okay, look at your state level. Are you taking care of your backyard? Are you making sure that the people that you elect in your state are the ones who are taking care of you? And then if you want to if you want to narrow down on that even more, are you making sure the people who run your city and your town are in the same boat as you are and that they're not, you know, trying to sink your boat, you know, sink your battleship? It goes all the way down to those levels. And really, we need to be more concerned at taking care of people at our local level, our city councilmen, our townsmen, our adelmen, our, our selectmen, whatever you want to call them. You know, anyone that's voted on and really anyone in any type of public position such as that should be voted on 100%, okay? But your state-level representatives, we're seeing it in Wisconsin, we're seeing it in Arizona, we're seeing it in Michigan. That's, well, they're not elected yet, but they are candidates in Michigan. But that's what I'm talking about. If you focus on that big old shiny ball of, uh, of treason wax up in Capitol Hill, you're going to be so defeated, so uh, you know, tired, so fatigued, you're not going to want to do anything about it. All of the ones on Capitol Hill need to go. They're all complicit. They're all part of the same thing. They've all, they're all in on it. Every single one of them just about is in on it. Even if they put a shiny America first face forward, they know, okay? And if they are silent, if they have not said anything, this goes for the senators, also Ted Cruz, okay? If they have not said anything, okay, they are complicit. They know, all of them know, it was a total theft robbery. It was a coup d'etat of this nation on November 3rd. We're done. We're moving forward. We're getting rid of them. And that is what this is about, ladies and gentlemen. And that's all about. I uh, say about that, ladies and gentlemen. Let's move on to the next Trump statement. All right. What do we got here? President trump -A. Oh, okay. This one, ladies and gentlemen. Now, there's more statements about this, but uh, this topic in particular. But I'm saving some of that for later because I've got some other things I've got to say about one Mike Pence. Mike Pence said he had no authority other than to send the votes forward to the old crow, Mitch Cocaine McConnell. If so, why are the Dems and Rhinos fighting so hard to make it impossible for a VP to do so in the future? Now, we covered this point uh, last week at least a couple of times, you know, where we got uh, good old Susan Collins of uh, Smelly Derriere, Maine. Just kidding. She's in Bangor. But we got her, uh, you know, gathering all of her little senator cheerleaders to try and change an 1887 law or amendment in the Constitution. It's election law. Anyways, they're trying to change this uh, this way. Uh, the authority of the vice president becomes ceremonial, and he cannot actually affect any type of change when it comes to electoral count and the electoral process in our country. And they're trying to change some other things. We'll leave that there for now, but let that kind of, you know swish swash you know around in your brain a little bit 
whenever they say things like, oh, well, Mike Pence couldn't do Jack. Well, why are they trying to change a law that says he can do Jack? And we all know that Mike Pence did Jack back in Indiana. And we'll leave that there, ladies and gentlemen. Next statement from President Trump. Let's see what we got. Ah. Ah. It's uh, it's about Iowa, guys. What does it got to say? It says, on Monday, the incredible people of Iowa exercise their sacred right to peaceably assemble and participate in the great Iowa caucus, one of the most time-honored traditions and American traditions. Neighbors will join together to cast their votes and determine their future. However, the corrupt and elitist Democrat establishment wants to steal Iowa's first-in-the-nation status. They want to limit your freedom, silence your voices, strangle your livelihoods, and restrict your God-given right to nominate your political leaders. Coastal Democrats allow illegal aliens to vote in California and New York, but are attempting to stifle the free speech of great American patriots. With me, Iowa will always keep its first-in-the-nation status. The great people of Middle America will have a powerful vote and voice. Iowans, make sure you go out on Monday and participate in your precinct caucus. Thank you to Governor Reynolds, Senator Grassley, and Chairman Kaufman for fighting hard against the radical Democrats. All right. So it appears today was a very important day for those in Iowa. It kind of makes you wonder exactly how that's going to turn out, considering that 2020 and beyond is not yet secure, right? But let's not let's not dwell on that fact because you never know. Marianne Miller Meeks or Marionette Miller Meeks might have gotten every single household in her district to show up to vote. You never know. Uh, and definitely turning out for the vote is what's going to assist right now. And I'm not poo-pooing the amount of election fraud that has been going on. And, you know, it's very obvious, too, I might add, particularly if you consider red states, Republican states that managed to uh, maintain the... um, maintain the vote during the 2020 general election. I'm not going to say maintain the accuracy of the vote. I'm not going to say maintain the integrity of the vote, but maintain the uh, outcome that is correct of the vote. And uh, I'm kind of referencing states like South Carolina, Iowa, Texas, Florida, that type of thing, you know, uh, because um, um, there's still a lot of work to be done. I'm sure most of you all can appreciate in regards to uh, ensuring no type of shenanigans took place at that time. And we know it did, ladies and gentlemen. We just talked about South Carolina this past weekend. And, uh, well, that's going to take us into the meat of our uh, show tonight. But let us, uh, I think we got, we got one more statement from President Trump, guys. All right. I know you guys are enjoying these Trump statements. All right, it says here, 
The ballot harvesting scam will go down as the biggest political scandal in history. It is totally determinative, and the Democrats are doing everything they can to stop the news from coming out. Republicans must be strong and unified in order to save our country. Very true words, because somehow the rats, the democrats, they are extremely, extremely, like, you know, clicky, right? Like, they are more unified than any other, uh, any other, uh, I was going to say radical party. They are more unified than any other political party in this country, because they, uh, they will all hang together eventually. But, um, you know, uh, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, indeed, indeed, the ballot harvesting scam that's talking, we're talking about Georgia there, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about a few of the other states that were highly contested. We're even talking about Texas. I would expect Texas to be a player at some point, guys. So don't, uh, don't think that we've forgotten about the rest of the Republic, right? We ain't seceding yet, ladies and gentlemen. Texas is still in the game, okay? You better believe the Texans are like, oh, those rats over there in South Carolina beating us to the canvas. Yeah. Anyways, okay, enough about that. As long as Florida don't beat us, but they probably are. I don't know. I'd have to ask some of my Florida friends about that. But either way, ladies and gentlemen, these statements in toto, when we're talking about the rhinos and the treasonous representatives and senators who supposedly are doing the will of the people, the ones who are ignoring the fraud of 2020, the ones who have said nothing and who are complicit, when we're talking about all of these different levels of fraud, well, you know that's going to bring us up to one very substantial point for this evening, ladies and gentlemen. And that is the meat of our story for tonight. We are going to again jump into election fraud. We are going to again jump into election integrity. But tonight we have a very specific focus for you all. Tonight we will be talking about ERIC, the Election Registration Information Center, as promised. And the way that this National Voter Registration Database has served to be the Trojan horse for the left and the communist sympathizers, the Democrats, to run amok with our election system and provide an entire apparatus for these thieves of the will of the people to turn on and off voter registrants to uh, fulfill the needs of the ballots that they need to stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. To kick it off, though, to kick this off, though, for brand new viewers, for people who have never heard about this news or information, who people who don't know what the heck election audits are, that don't know what the heck election canvassing is, we are going to start with this helpful video entitled Election Audits Explained. Ladies and gentlemen, this comes from DefendingTheRepublic.org because it is important for us to know, and I know a lot of my audience knows, but it is important for us to understand this as we jump into this topic and we try to understand why the heck does it matter whether or not this country has a national registration database for voters or if it is something that should be kept within the states. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you this here video. 
Let's briefly discuss election audits and why they are necessary. Following the contentious 2020 elections, we've been flooded with a lot of election-related technical terms that most citizens have little familiarity with. We're referring to things like adjudication, canvassing, recount, certification, risk-limiting audit, forensic audit, and more. A citizen would understandably think that with all these technical terms, that a lot of high-quality care is being given to assure vote integrity, though that would be an inaccurate conclusion. To best explain election audits and their significance, we must first understand the landscape of our election system and where we are most apt to find problems. A close analysis shows that there are three general areas within an election where things can go wrong. One, the voter. Two, the machines. And three, the ballot process. So how do we audit each of these key areas of our election system and how does this relate to what is currently taking place now? Let's first review some basic definitions of a few common election terms and then look at a parallel situation to get a better understanding of what is going on. A recount is no more than double checking the math. Canvassing is verifying that no votes were lost in the balloting process. And lastly, certification is a state legislative stamp of approval, which is mostly a formality. So why do we conduct election audits? Well, there are three main objectives for doing so. One, to identify and fix honest mistakes. Two, to detect evidence of illegalities. And three, to maintain or restore public confidence in the outcome of an election. Using an IRS parallel will help us to better understand the differences between the various types of election audits. Basically, the IRS has four increasing levels of compliance audits. The first and most basic is an automatic audit which is what the IRS computer does to all tax form submissions. Essentially, the IRS compares what third parties submit about you to what is on your tax forms and makes sure that everything on your tax forms add up. This type of audit is comparable to an election recount. A correspondence audit is a small step up. Here, the IRS sends you a letter asking for you to verify the amount on a particular tax form line item. Let's say interest earned in a bank account. This would be similar to a risk-limiting audit of election ballots. An IRS office audit is the next step up, and in this case, the IRS requires you to meet with an IRS agent at their office and to bring your records on certain select matters. The parallel here would be the 2020 New Hampshire and Arizona Limited Forensic Election Audits. The fourth and most comprehensive form of an IRS audit is the field audit. In this situation, an IRS agent comes to your home or place of business, and the agent has the authority to double-check anything and everything. This would be like a full forensic audit of an election, which has never been done. As a result of IRS audits, plus its ability to civilly impose powerful financial and prison penalties, the taxpayer compliance rate is about 85%. Let's make the optimistic assumption that the election accuracy rate is also 85%. That would translate on a national level in 2020 to about 24 million votes being suspect. This is a sobering and disturbing thought, but without forensic audits, it is a conclusion that simply cannot be dismissed. So what is a forensic audit? In this situation, forensic means the use of science in the investigation and establishment of facts. A full forensic audit would be a thorough, 
in-depth investigation into vote accuracy. So what does a thorough in-depth audit entail? An election full forensic audit looks at the legitimacy of all three major aspects of the reported election results that I mentioned before, the voter, the machines, and the ballot process. Here are some things that a full forensic audit would investigate in depth in each category. Regarding the voter, for example, did only legally eligible citizens vote and just once? Regarding the machines, did they accurately report all ballots received without any changes? And in regards to the ballot process, for example, did third parties illegally change or delete any legitimate ballots or add ballots? Note that none of those questions are fully answered by an election recount, by election canvassing, or by election certification. In our view, the easiest and likely most revealing is the voter forensic audit. Even if states don't do a full forensic audit, but rather just did a voter forensic audit, that would be a hundredfold improvement over what is being done now, which is largely recounts and canvassing. So why aren't states, counties, and precincts doing even partial forensic audits? To accurately do a forensic investigation, having election chain of custody is extremely important. Some states, counties, and precincts may well be resisting forensic audits as they know that their chain of custody is inadequate. Based on how much disinformation the mainstream media is propagating, it is likely that some state legislators and election officials believe that they are already doing effective election audits. The fact is, they are not. Based on mainstream media misinformation, it is probable that some state legislators and election officials believe that their elections have no bad actors, so why bother with a detailed audit? However, there is zero scientific proof that supports this claim. Another possible pushback from opponents of election integrity against a full forensic audit is that it is too complicated, too time-consuming, or costly. None of those are true, but even if they were, the downsides would pale in comparison to the enormity of what's at stake. Real science-based forensic audits are the only way we can verify whether we have election integrity, since no state, county, or precinct has ever done a full forensic audit, and less than a handful of counties have had a partial forensic audit, it goes without saying that we have no legitimate basis for believing that the U.S. election system is honest and accurate. As national election expert Dr. Philip Stark insightfully says, we have a procedure-based election system rather than an evidence-based election system. That's bad enough, but consider, what sense does it make to have national elections based on 50 sets of procedures? None. And who is assuring that these procedures are actually rigorously followed? No one. And what meaningful penalties are there when these procedures are not followed? None. We also expect that those who profit from the current system's failings will continue to aggressively push back against meaningful forensic audits. However, our rights and freedoms are inextricably tied to our ability as citizens to freely elect our representatives. If we allow bad actors and errors to undermine this, the fabric of our society will be fatally torn. For an amazing set of election-related reports written by independent experts, please visit election-integrity.info. To get more details about election audits, please access our full easy-to-read report, number 10, found at election-integrity.info. 
And we also recommend checking out defendingtherepublic.org, which has new resources added daily to help citizens to defend their rights. Thank you. All right, guys, was that not a great video, ladies and gentlemen? Great uh, for giving us the breakdown on exactly why we need these uh, different types of audits to be occurring in this country right now. Ain't nothing like a, uh, a video with good information and a nice soundtrack to just spur one along, okay? Very, very true. Um, and now, so uh, to couple that uh, informative video, I also have an article here from the Washington Examiner uh, that's about audits, audits and canvassing, okay? Because that's the other important part that I would like uh, viewers who are new to this information or who have not experienced this information before to kind of understand before we get into talking about Eric. Now, before I do that, though, I'm going to hop into uh, the chat room over here at uh, Foxhole. Uh, thank you guys for joining us again. Uh, Sean, Joe, I appreciate you donating the cookies this way. Um, always appreciate it, sir. Uh, looks like we also got the speak uneasy in the house. Good evening, Persnick, Sherry Pittsburgh. I said hello, but hello again. Two Rivers, how's it going, sir? Thanks for popping on in and uh, for saying howdy, howdy. Uh, let me see what else we got going on here before we read this next article. Tam Grell, what's going on, Tam Grell? How's you doing tonight? Good to see you, sweetie. Glad you're back in the house. Tam Grell says, I raised my kids in South Carolina. My mom was the president of the Republican Women's Party. So cool. Uh, no wonder, you know, that that uh, that press conference we watched on Saturday or Sunday must have resonated with you. Uh, I'm sure. Oh, it was Saturday. Oh, it was Sunday. It was Sunday. We watched it. We're going to talk about that right now. Also, next after this article, we are going to talk about South Carolina as well because they just did a they just did a canvas of their state in uh, various counties. So we'll talk about the results there. Uh, we actually did a watch party on Sunday for that press conference. Very, very good press conference. It might have been four hours long. God bless your hearts, ladies and gentlemen. But it was a very good press conference indeed. Uh, that uh, that narrator did kind of sound like Carrie Lake, uh, Mr. Sean Joe. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see here. What else do we got here? Gina from West Virginia. Um, I just saw Matt seventeen seventy Saturday. Oh, awesome! Thank you so thank you so much for that, uh, Gina from West Virginia. Looks like. Uh, Looks like uh, you guys are really looking out, and I will uh, most definitely be uh, keeping an eye on that inbox. Uh, thank you again so much. Positive Vibe 72, good evening. Good to have you in the audience with us today. I'm not muted, am I? Okay, okay good, good. All right, Grandpa Locke is getting hungry. So am I. Okay, all right, guys. Let's take a look at this article real quick. Again, this will be another one just to kind of define and to kind of set the stage, the parameters of what these different types of functions are when it comes to election security. Who knew we could do an audit? And as they pointed out in this video, and as we all are aware of, forensic audits have never been done in this country until Arizona did it first. Okay, Texas. All right. Uh, so from the Washington Examiner, the question is asked, headline, audit, canvas, what do all these election terms mean? Huh? 
Get out your notes, ladies and gentlemen. We will have a test afterwards. Just kidding. I am not a teacher. Ah. The legal battle President Trump's re-election campaign is waging to contest the results in multiple states that appear to have swung, appear to have swung to the Electoral College majority to Democrat challenger Joe Biden has put some unfamiliar election-related jargon in the news. Audits? Recounts? Canvassing? What does it all mean? Canvassing is part of the state election certification process that confirms every valid ballot cast is included in the final count. The rules vary by state. After the canvas is complete, a state can consider an audit. An election audit is a review taken after the polls close to see if the votes were counted properly or the correct procedures were followed. A recount is a specific type of audit that involves the repeat tabulation of the votes to see if the initial count was accurate. This is usually only undertaken in a close election within a certain particularly narrow margin, often 0.5% or less. The margin rules and who pays for the recount can vary by state. Georgia officials have indicated that a recount is likely after canvassing. The Trump campaign is also seeking a recount in Wisconsin. Biden is currently ahead by a slim margin in both states after later counts pushed him over the top. Trump initially led in both states on election night. Pennsylvanian Republican leaders have called for an audit of the state's election results. There, too, Trump led on election night, but subsequent tallies of the state's early votes put Biden over the top. I have no knowledge of any voter fraud, and I have no knowledge of any misdeeds other than the process by which the Department of State, the Deep State Department, ran in this election, Pennsylvania Senate Majority Leader Jake Corman said on a Zoom call with reporters on Friday. So Senate Tempore, Senate Tempore Majority Leader Jake Corman, okay, that's what he said back in 2020, guys, I'm just saying. The Commonwealth does not allow officials to process early votes before Election Day. The Trump campaign has alleged voter fraud in multiple states, while also criticizing media outlets for being quick to call states where Biden narrowly leads, while hesitant to declare a winner in states such as North Carolina for Trump. Or even Alaska. You guys all heard about what happened in Alaska. Anyways. Okay, so that was a quick definition, and it goes into some of the controversies of the 2020 election, which we will not... We will not, uh, we will not um, burden with most of our uh, listeners and our audience because we all know what happened on January 3rd. But these, this definition here was kind of vague, but it, it still pretty much summed up, um, you know, um, a differentiation between the, t the three. Uh, most definitely, the recount is probably the most sought after version of any of these types of audits, because after all, these risk limiting audits requires them to uh, audit and recount, recount, basically, they're, uh, a risk limiting audit is a recount of like one or 2% of the electoral ballot images. It's nothing. Okay. And if you're in a state like Texas, your secretary of state could choose the railroad commission as the competition to audit. Forget the big boys. We're going to go to the easiest one with someone who didn't even have an opponent running against them. Yeah. 
Secretary of State John B. Scott, we're looking at you, okay? Just be aware of that. All right, guys, let's talk about South Carolina real quick. We're going to uh, just uh, recap this uh, for a moment. Now, South Carolina held um, a canvas out of the blue. I mean, we're talking like there was a stiff knock at the door and everyone was like, what the heck's going on here? And, you know, they just walked in there, this South Carolina safe elections group, and they said, surprise, canvas inspection. And all of them were like, oh, let me pull up my pants and dust off the shelves real quick. Well, no one was expecting this because the participants of this canvas were, um, were, uh, had signed non-disclosure agreements, so they could not talk about it, okay? That's the way you do it, ladies and gentlemen. Not because you don't trust them, not because you are doing something shady, but because in order to preserve the integrity of the function or procedure that they are performing, they need to ensure privacy and they need to ensure the discretion of those who are participating. Now, uh, this is the website for South Carolina Safe Elections Group. That is the grassroots uh, organization that actually uh, led and executed this canvas. We're not going to look at in depth at this, but, uh, you know, that we had a live broadcast on Saturday that uh, I was late to the party, even though I knew about it the night before. Uh, only one other channel was actually uh, live uh, streaming this. So we live streamed it or we broadcasted it on Sunday. Uh, if anyone wants to go back and watch that four-hour presentation, it's actually a really good press conference. A lot of information, a lot of heart, a lot of very fine points, a lot of great speakers, and and just a lot of value-added information. When you consider the amount of hearings that we've actually watched here uh, at the Sea Report or even abroad, like if we go all the way back to like our hearings, uh, you know, in 2020 in November and December. It's kind of like, man, you know, um, that's a, that, uh, these hearings are quite a thing to like kind of digest, but it was a very, I thought the flow of this hearing was very good, but uh, you can go to, uh, let, let me get the name of the website for this up uh, for you guys real quick. Just a memento. That is uh, sc.safeelections.org, all one word, sc.safeelections.org if you want to visit that. Or as soon as I get my website back up, thecreport.com, we'll have it linked there for you guys as well. Um, but uh, let's go ahead and take a real quick look at the executive summary of this Canvas report. So that everyone can know, this is just a quick recap of that report uh, so you guys know what they're looking at over there. This is what we found. Uh, we're gonna scroll on down to the highlighted portions. All right, this is what they say in regard to the results. It says, we observed thousands of recorded votes that were executed prior to registration. Okay, so this is just one of those things. Now, we're, we're skipping right into the results, right into the findings. We're not going with all of the fluff that they talk about prior to getting here. Like, you know, who did it, how many did it, historical numbers, all that stuff. This is the straight up what they found. They observed thousands of recorded votes that were executed prior to registration. We compared date last voted to the date of registration. Okay, so they recorded, they, they found thousands of people who voted before they even registered. What is up with that? Okay, now this could be due to a registrant moving to a different county 
However, it is not proper database management protocol to overwrite these dates and make it difficult to register. It makes it difficult uh, to track registration cor that corresponds to voting histories. So here's uh, an example of that. They had this many votes outside of the legal dates. There were 17,521 votes outside of the legal dates. They were out of bounds. There were 2,244 votes that did not have a complete address. Now, this is important because South Carolina went to Trump. Okay? South Carolina went to Trump. And yet, what's up with all these discrepancies? Now, one thing to please keep in mind as we're going through all of this information, think about ERIC, the Election Registration Information Center. Think about this Trojan horse national voter registration database that is being used to aid and assist in the theft of our elections by turning on and turning off registered voters when they need to supply a few extra thousands and thousands of voters in order to stuff the ballot during any said election, which is exactly the function that Eric is performing right now. So keep that in mind as we read all of this data, okay? That's where we're going with this, ladies and gentlemen, indeed, okay? Now it says here, the highlighted cells in figure one indicate 17,521 votes were cast before October 5th, 2020, and 4,495 votes were cast after November 5th, 2020. Among the votes that were cast after November 5th, 2020, there is the possibility that some of those votes were cast during a town, city, council, school board, or similar local election because the voter rolls only show the last date when the person voted. A forensic audit of the 2020 general election and the other local elections is necessary to verify. So we won't look too long at this chart, but uh, right up in here, up and down, you have the months and the dates, the months of voting. The red lines, in between these red lines is when you can vote. Everything outside of those two red lines is when you can't, or are the people who were not registered to vote before they voted, okay? All right, all of the out-of-bound votes. Look at all of that. Look at all of that. Look at up. Okay, moving right along. Okay, I'm going to read this part down here first before I read that part down there. Now, they canvassed their area. They had people sign affidavits. Check this out. The affidavit ratio for all canvassed counties was as follows. Of the registrants analyzed, 71% resulted in affidavits. If they had an affidavit, what that means is there was a discrepancy and they got someone to sign upon penalty of perjury an affidavit that said something to the effect of, I voted, but my vote didn't appear. Or... There's only one person that lives at this household or I didn't vote at all. So why do I have a vote? So just those are some of the examples of what they found and what's in these affidavits. OK, getting back to this pie chart here. So it says that of the registrants that were analyzed, 71 percent of what of who they spoke to signed an affidavit. There was 71 percent discrepancy in the actual registrants. 
the number of affidavits fall into two primary categories. 30% of those affidavits were phantom votes and 70% of those affidavits were registrations, uh, were ghost registrations. So if you look at this pie chart right here, that's just showing you that 11,659 affidavits were filled out. They had 11,000 plus people in South Carolina fill out an affidavit because there was a discrepancy. And 29% or 4,853, everything was peachy keen, ladies and gentlemen. Now, let's talk about this uh, phantom votes versus ghost registration. So, of these 11,659 registrants that uh, actually ended up being um, a discrepancy, 30% of those were phantom votes and 70% of those were ghost registrations. What does that mean? Up here, they clearly define phantom votes is defined as a vote that was cast from an address where the person moved away more than 30 days before the election or was dead prior to the election and voted, violating statutory residency requirements. A ghost registration is when people who are registered, who are still registered at an old address or moved or were deceased for over 30 days prior to the election, but did not vote in the 2020 election. So ghost registrations are people who are still registered at an old address and moved or were dead over 30 days prior to the election, but did not vote in the 2020 election. Interesting, isn't it? Okay, let's move on. Okay, so all of this here is just the data from the individual counties that were canvassed. We're not going to go through this because we're taking it macro, not micro right now. All right, all right, let's move down, make sure there's no other highlighted parts to share with the body of souls here joining us this evening. Okay, so invalid or not applicable addresses. This is another thing that they found in their canvas. There were 2,035 addresses that were not complete and contained a street number of not applicable. So you live on not applicable West Harvard Lane, you know, many of these registrants voted as well. We are unsure how this occurred and how these people were mailed absentee ballots with incomplete addresses. Interesting, huh? Date of registration prior to date of birth. South Carolina voter rolls include over 1,300 registrations where either the date of birth is wrong, the date of registration is wrong, or both, such that the registrant would have been 15 years old and negative 82 years old at the time of the registration. About 780 simply have identical date of births and date of uh, registrations. There are also a few registrants between 114 and 2060 years old at the time they registered. Other findings included 1,353 people on our voter roll that have a date of registration that is well before the person's date of birth. 11 people have registration dates that are over 100 years after their date of birth. 
and 1,284 are registered within 15 days of their date of birth. Within 15 days of their date of birth, they are registered to vote. It's almost as if mama was not going to wait to have her freshborn baby registered to vote. What is up with that? I don't know. I mean, I would want my child to vote, but I could wait until they're 18. You know what I mean? Okay. All right. Uh, I think we're good here. They had a bunch of other discrepancies. I didn't highlight that, so I'm not going to read it to you. Um, let's get to the very bottom, guys. Let's get to the bottom of this, no matter who's on top, right? Conclusions. Um, registrations appear unusually high and, and to be sourced for phantom votes. Database management seems lacking. Other, um, our voter rolls are not being properly maintained or purged of ineligible voters. There is sufficient suspicion for a compliance study of our state's 2020 election and preservation of evidence, paper ballots, and images of servers. These are their recommendations. One, return to paper poll books where every registered voter is validated annually. Two, Return to paper ballots, which are serial numbered, using the same ballot for mail in absentee early voting and early election day. Three, go to single day in-person elections with strong ID photo and signature. Four, establish rare exceptions for absentee voting, such as less than 1%. Five, hand count the ballots and votes and issue a Mr. C hole puncher to everyone who votes. Six, voter records need to be completely transparent and accessible to all individuals. Voter rolls should be free for those who wish to audit the outcome. Seven, find an alternative to Eric and a process that properly cleans the rolls. Eight, the SEC needs more accountability, impose fines and penalties for non-compliance. Nine, fund a compliance study that looks into the 2020 election, analysis of the paper ballots. And 10, did we mention the Mr. C hole punchers? All right, ladies and gentlemen, so there you have it. That's a nutshell of the um, uh, canvas report that they had over there in South Carolina. A very, I would recommend that you all go and watch that if you haven't seen it. Again, if you got four hours of time or maybe if they have like a podcast version of it, you should go check it out. I highly recommend it. Maybe we'll upload it into our podcast. I'll think about it. Maybe. I'm about three episodes behind right now for the C report. So if I can squeeze that in, I will just so you can take it on the road with you guys. Now, the thing about it is they also mentioned Eric here. Now, Eric was actually the topic du jour just about, aside from the actual canvassing and the volunteers and everyone that put their hard work into it and the absent representatives as well, I might add. But as I was saying... Eric was a topic of discussion. They really brought out this election registration information center. Okay. That, that really came to the forefront during this because um, what I've deduced before digging into Eric is that the way that they would steal elections 
and uh, and and uh, boost ballot drops and boost uh, you know just ballot dumps is that they have this national database that does not clean the voter rolls that does not scrub for irregularities or discrepancies and yet that's supposed to be its function it's supposed to clean out the voter rolls it's supposed to let the states know when there are irregularities or there are you know discrepancies it's supposed to encourage that in theory that is why eric exists now what we see when uh we see numbers coming out of wisconsin that they have what like 400 and 400 450 million voters but they have 700 million accounts in the eric system that is a clear flag that what they are doing is they are saving all of those registrants registrants in the eric database so that when they need to dump x amount of extra ballots in a night they have the accounts to back them up and that's really what it seems like is going on here. But don't take my word for it. Let's see what these news reports have to say, guys. All right. What do we got next? Oh, oh, it's Eric. Eric, the Electronic Registration Information Center. Let's dig right in, guys. I hope you brought your fork and your steak knife. Uh, we're going to start talking about Eric by visiting Eric himself. Um, let's begin with this helpful informational video put together by the great people over at Eric to help the people of America understand exactly what the heck Eric is. All right, Eric, what are you supposed to be? What are you supposed to do? What is your function? Why do you exist? And why should I want you to be one of the main hubs of control in my elections? Voter registration is the gateway to participating in our American democracy. And keeping voter rolls up to date is a challenge, mainly because Americans move so much. In any given year, tens of millions of Americans move, two million die, and other life changes occur. As a result, one in every eight registration records isn't accurate. To fix this, several innovative states have joined with the Pew Charitable Trusts to build the Electronic Registration Information Center, or ERIC. ERIC is a cost-saving data center that helps each participating state improve the accuracy of their voter list by intelligently comparing their voter data to lots of other information, like those from the DMV, the U.S. Postal Service, the Social Security Administration, and other lists. ERIC can help states in many ways. It can compare data from many sources simultaneously. So a state can learn when a voter on their list has died or moved to another state. Then the voter's old state can contact the voter to confirm the move and update the voter list, while their new state can reach out and encourage them to register to vote in the most efficient way, usually through online voter registration. And just as importantly, privacy of data is protected by ERIC at the source. Any personal information, like dates of birth or driver's license numbers, is anonymized. And the whole program is run and owned by the participating states. Ensuring the integrity and efficiency of the voter lists should be simpler. With ERIC, it is. Take the first step at ericstates.org. Ooh, take the first step at ericstates.org. 
Okay, let me get this off the screen real quick before you guys. I spy my personal algorithms. All right. Um, yeah, Eric. Okay, Eric. So, in theory, that's the way that Eric's supposed to work. We save you money. We compare databases. We help you out states. Okay, in theory, that is the way that Eric is supposed to work. Let's take a look at their website. All right, Eric, what you got to say to me today? Ensuring the efficiency and integrity of America's voter rolls, right? That's what they say that they do. The Electronic Registration Information Center is a nonprofit organization with the sole mission of assisting states to improve the accuracy of America's voter rolls and increase access to voter registration for all eligible citizens. Eric is governed and managed by states who choose to join and was formed in 2012 with the assistance of the Pew 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 Charitable Trust. Um, okay, so uh, they have these uh, this FAQ here. Who controls Eric? We just said it. The states, the chief elections officials from each member state designates a member representative to the Eric board. Interesting. What data does Eric collect from member states? Uh, each member submits a minimum... Um, at minimum, it's voter registration and motor vehicle licensee data. Okay. Uh, let's see what... Oh, well, that data does include names, addresses, date of birth, last four of the social. Um, let's see here. Uh, what reports do states receive from Eric? According to Eric, each member state receives reports that show voters who have moved within their state, voters who have moved out of state, voters who have died, and duplicate registrations in the same state and individuals who are potentially eligible to vote but are not yet registered. States may request a report identifying voters who appear to have voted twice within the state in the prior federal election, voted in more than one state and in the prior federal election, or who voted on behalf of a deceased vote voter in the prior federal election. Now, ladies and gentlemen, those few points that we just read right there, doesn't it sound like the exact same things that they found wrong during the canvas of South Carolina? It sounds 100% like the things that they found wrong during the canvas of Car North South, South Carolina. Pardon me. In fact, it is also reminiscent of the canvas that was performed in Arizona. And guess what? Both Eric and Arizona use the Eric, the Election Registration Information Center. But one would want to ask then who else uses Eric besides Arizona, South Carolina, and Texas, and Wisconsin, the states I have mentioned before. Let's find out why, don't we? There are 31 states. In, and Washington, D.C. We all know Washington, D.C. is a foreign occupier, right? So 31 states and Washington, D.C. utilize ERIC. Check this out. Is your state among the states that utilize ERIC? I don't know. Let's find out. It says right here, we got Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, and Florida. Okay, I'm not going to sing the song. Okay, we got Georgia, Illinois, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, Nevada, New Mexico, Ohio, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, South Carolina, 
Texas, Utah, Vermont, Virginia, Washington, West Virginia, Wisconsin, and Washington, D.C. Okay, so let's see. Wisconsin, highly contested state. Hmm, let's see. Michigan, highly contested state. Arizona, highly contested state. Georgia, highly contested state. Who am I missing? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, highly contested state. Who am I missing? Nevada. Nevada, highly contested state. Minnesota, mildly uh, middle contested state. Okay. Oh, wait. What about the states that went to Trump? Texas. Oh, yeah. We're doing an audit there, too. Oh, wait. What about South Carolina? That state also went to Trump and they just finished a canvas. We haven't heard much from Florida, but they are absolutely a member of that uh, of that um, that uh, organization. And then who do we have that we just talked about that had a caucus today? Well, Iowa had a caucus. Uh, they're also a part of that. So you have these 31 states who are members of ERIC, which means they use this national voter registration database Trojan horse and it's very likely that people could turn that vote up on its head, ladies and gentlemen, and use these registered accounts to flip that vote with security when they stuff the ballot box and drop thousands of ballots. Now, some other things I think are rather interesting about this Eric situation. Let's take a look at their board members for the years of 2021 to 2022. The first person I would like to point out is the chairperson of this board. This individual's name is Megan Wolf. Now, might you guys be wondering why I think Megan Wolf being the chair spokesperson, chairperson of this organization is at the slightest bit titillating and uh, an information that is kind of uh, interesting to have. Well, Megan Wolf is the administrator of the Wisconsin Elections Commission, ladies and gentlemen. The Wisconsin Elections Commission. She's the administrator. Her name is Megan Wolf. Why is that important? Well, it's not so much that it's important as actually it is kind of important. Because Megan Wolf, ladies and gentlemen, as we have reported here at the Sea Report, is currently embroiled in litigation and lawfare in order to protect herself from being subpoenaed by none other than the man they call Michael Gableman, who's got some questions to ask her about what went on during the 2020 election in the state of Wisconsin. There is the plastic surgery vixen herself, Megan Wolf, ladies and gentlemen. Now, Megan Wolf is the head administrator. She is the head administrator of the election commission in Wisconsin, guys. And uh, like I said, she's fighting subpoenas. She's trying to get away with it, ladies and gentlemen. She's trying to hide. Now, we have a report from the McIver Institute that uh, says former Supreme Court Justice Mike Gableman is leading the investigation for the state assembly 
This past fall, he issued 17 subpoenas to Madison Mayor Satya Rhodes Conway, Green Bay Mayor Eric Genrich, Wisconsin Elections Commission Administrator Megan Wolf. Yeah, that's who that is. And other public officials. The subpoenas were signed by Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, who we won't get into too much tonight. But what's up with Megan Wolf and uh, the Elections Registration Information Center? Hmm? Hmm? Why is this important? Because not only do the same people have the same fingerprints all over the same crimes, it's always the same people. When I went and looked up Eric, the Election Registration Information Center, and I saw that this woman who is fighting subpoenas in Wisconsin is involved with a national election database Trojan horse. Oh, it all seemed to make sense. You know why it's beautiful, guys? Because it narrows down the playing field. We don't have some random Joe nobody who's sitting at the top of Eric and who's uh, making it hard for Michael Gableman to do his job at investigating the 2020 election. No, we have someone from his state. We have someone who is an administrator between the, behind the crimes of the Wisconsin Election Commission. And her name is Megan Wolf. It's, it's a beautiful thing, guys, because it's the same people, which makes that RICO case much more tighter and much more conducive to actually prosecuting. I love it, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see what the McIver Institute had to say about Megan Wolf. Okay, this is an interesting little article here, guys. I don't think we're going to read all of it, but we're going to look at most of it. Now, this is about Megan Wolf in Wisconsin. Don't forget, she's the chairwoman of the Election Registration Information Center Trojan Horse. That's why this is relevant. Wisconsin elections officials overwhelmed by legislature's open recordings. We're not going to watch her RBF. Sorry, guys, if you wanted to see it. It says here, on December 22nd, 2021... The Assembly Committee on Campaigns and Elections sent an open records request to the Wisconsin Elections Commission for records concerning all aspects on the state-run elections. There were nine questions, ladies and gentlemen. There were nine questions. And the Wisconsin Elections Commission Administrator, Megan Wolf. I know it's Megan, guys. I just like saying Megan. Megan Wolf answered many of them immediately. There were some questions that she could not answer, and she brought those to the attention of the elections commissioners during their January 11th Zoom meeting. Check this out, guys. Check this out. Megan Wolf who is the chairperson of the Election Registration Information Center, was not able to provide information about voters that the Wisconsin Election Commission gets from the Election Registration Information Center. Because Eric does not allow state elections officials to share that information with anyone, even the legislatures that oversee them. Ladies and gentlemen... You mean to tell me that the legislature of Wisconsin and the Honorable Mike Gableman 
cannot force the hand of the chairperson of the very organization that they are making inquiry of. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a Michael Gableman moment. You know, he was like this. Michael Gableman, get on my screen. He was like, what? But you're the chairperson. How can you not get this information? Do you see how surprised he is, guys? Do you see how surprised Michael Gay? Do you see how disgusted this man is? He's like, you're the chairperson of Eric. And you can't even get me the information that I need? What are you hiding, girl? Anyways. I really like that photo of Michael Gableman. <laughs> All right, guys. Okay. Now... That's why this is important. All these people are tied together. It's the same fingers in the same cookie jar. Thank goodness it's not my cookie jar, ladies and gentlemen. But um, there were a few other questions that Megan Wolf could not answer. But I thought that one was a highlight, ladies and gentlemen. That was a highlight. And you got to, you know, you got, you have got to understand exactly where that face the face of Michael Gableman comes from. Anytime you come across an obvious and yet confusing and yet obnoxious obstruction of justice that is just disgusting, put on the Michael Gableman face, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, all, all, uh, all uh, residual feelings will be understood. Okay? All residual feelings will be understood. Are we done with Megan Wolf? Maybe I should have kept... Uh, Maybe I should have kept Gableman on the screen. Okay, we're going to hop back into Eric. But before we hop back into Eric, I would just like to say in regards to Megan Wolf and Mike Gableman and this investigation that not only through us being able to figure all of this out to identify and dissect these different organizations and the different processes that they, um, um, that they utilized in order to steal our elections, we are also seeing these people for who they are, and we're also seeing actions that need to be corrected in the future. It had to be this way, because otherwise, Megan Wolf and all of the other people who stole the election in all the 20 or 30 different ways that they utilized to steal these elections would still be happening if it did not happen this way. With that in mind, I leave you with this parting thought as we exit Wisconsin, because we're not here to talk about Wisconsin. We're here to talk about Eric. But there was an article from Madison.com, not Stacy Madison, but Madison.com, that talked about, uh, that mentioned the evidence of these snakes, okay? And it's giving us a better picture of where these snakes are roosting. And we have got to route them out, ladies and gentlemen, and that's what we're doing right now. But we're seeing it in things like business. We're seeing it in things like the GOP, okay? Madison.com says... A bipartisan group of prominent Wisconsin businesses uh, and business leaders are voicing support for the state's embattled elections administrator and her staff and local election officials. They issued a letter today backing up Megan Wolf as Republicans have called for her resignation and pursued investigation into how the 2020 election was run. What business is it of these businesses and why do they think that just because they have to put something on the table that our elected officials are going to back down? Because in the perfect world, ladies and gentlemen, after all, 
these elected officials should be doing what we want, not what the businesses want. The article went on to say, Wolf has refused to resign and has called attacks against her baseless. She was appointed director, and this is how Madison.com, which is an unworthy and a dishonorable mention as far as sourcing material goes, Madison.com defends her this way. She was appointed director by the commission in 2019 and confirmed unanimously by the Republican-controlled Senate for a term ending in 2023. So why would the Republicans be turning on their own? Let me tell you why. It's because they're all rhinos and they need to go, okay? They're rhinos, they're fake Republicans, they are traitors to this country, they are treasonous individuals, and they need to go. Now with that, ladies and gentlemen, we'll get back to Eric. All right, I'm off the soapbox. Uh, Just real quick, we're not going to go through all of these because actually Megan Wolf is the only name that I actually really recognized here besides... The guy from Texas. Uh, we have Rob Rock, who is the director of elections for Rhode Island. Uh, Mandy Grangine, Ohio. Chris Piper, Virginia. Heidi Burns, Iowa. Uh, Jonathan Brattler, um, Michigan. Chrissy Peters, Missouri. Uh, Alaska Division of Elections, Gail Funanami. Corey Lorick of Arizona. Clay Helms of Alabama. Judd Choet of uh, Colorado, Ted Bromley of Connecticut, Anthony Albents of Delaware, Bernadette Matthews of Illinois, Jordan Fuchs of Georgia, Maria Matthews Esquire of Florida, Karen Sellers of Kentucky, Sherry Hatsky of Louisiana, Melissa Packard of Maine, uh, Mark Wolashin uh, of Nevada, um, David Maida of Minnesota, Linda Lamone of Maryland, Deborah Scrogan of Oregon, Jonathan Marks of Pennsylvania, Howard Knapp of South Carolina, uh, Mark Mitchell of Utah, Keith Ingram of Texas, Mandy Vigil of New Mexico, uh, William Senning of Vermont, Stuart Holmes of Washington, uh, Monica Evans of Washington, D.C., and Brittany Westfall of West Virginia. Uh, David Becker of, uh, oh, he's a non-voting member. Okay, okay. Anyhow, so the only reason why I name these names, guys, is because for one, these are unelected, unelected, unelected bureaucrats. Okay, they run the, the they run the election commissions, they run the election divisions, all that stuff. Unelected, put on the board of Eric, and they are the ones who are making all these decisions, and uh, they are the ones who are running this Trojan horse scheme against the American people. Well, it's time to dig a little bit deeper into Eric, okay? And we ain't using our fingers, we're using shovels. All right, Uh, we got this article. So the Gateway Pundit actually released a series of articles on Eric. We're not gonna read all of them. We're gonna look at a few of them because we have root articles that we can refer to. Um, But this first one is really, they were really the first at least in my purview and in my research to really kind of start to point this. Actually, I take it back. No, they weren't. PJ Media actually had an article that talked about Eric while they were exposing the um, ritualistic donations that one George Soros seems to be making towards every lefty communist organization in the country. 
right? So uh, let's see here. This article is entitled, Who's Cleaning Our Voter Rolls? Oh, the Soros-funded ERIC Election Registration Information Center is now being used in 31 states. For decades, the Democrats and leftists have fought ferociously to prevent the cleanup of state voter registration rolls. Recognizing a potential niche, left-wing activists created ERIC to clean voter rolls their way using their rules. So in 2012, the Electronic Registration Information Center was formed as a membership organization primarily for blue states. Eric is essentially a left-wing voter registration drive disguised as voter roll cleanup, but it's been gaining traction in red states too. Originally funded by the Soros Open Society, it is now responsible for cleaning voter rolls in 31 states, plus D.C. A top election official from each member state is appointed a seat on the Eric board or as an officer, all unpaid positions that we know. Eric located 17 million new voters for the 2020 election, the most in the history of their organization. For comparison, they only found 5.7 million voters in 2012, Obama's election. The Eric database is comprehensive and would be one of the most coveted bad actors, or most coveted by bad actors looking to influence an election. Member states must not only submit all details on inactive and active voters to Eric every 60 days, but they must also provide every individual in their state's motor vehicle department database, both licensed and ID recipients. This combo of data is breathtaking. It's everyone who could generate a legal ballot. It includes those approaching voting age, even those here illegally yet issued an ID by their left-leaning state. This data includes names, addresses, dates of birth, license numbers, the last four of social security numbers, voter activity, phone numbers, email, titles, and type of citizenship documentation, and much more. Eric does not just manage lists, they demand action, but it's not the action you would expect, like cleaning voter rolls. Eric provides each member state a targeted list of people that are not registered to vote. The membership bylaws require the state to contact at least 95% of these people within 90 days, soliciting them to register. Eric also wants specific registration profiles updated and requires the state to contact these voters within 90 days too. It's essentially a left-wing voter registration drive all paid for by the states, not the Democrat Party. The membership fee is $25,000, but costs can run into the millions to fund the activities and membership dues. Oddly, Eric has no requirement or mandate that member states clean up their voter rolls. States are only strongly encouraged to request Eric's voter updates at least once a year. If a member fails to make a request in 425 days, 
the data will be sent automatically. What's even more odd and seemingly corrupt is that Eric does not want to know who is voting illegally. Their rules explain that under no circumstances shall the members transmit any record indicating an individual is a non-citizen of the U.S., as exhibited as stated in Exhibit A to B. That's their bylaws. If Eric hears no evil, then they see no evil. Eric uses advanced technology, including artificial intelligence from Sensing. This data matching AI compares information collected by member states with USPS address data and social security death records. But no one knows how else this data collected from the 31 states is being used. J. Christian Adams recently discussed Eric in a Breitbart con uh, podcast interview. Adams states, and just so you know, uh, J. Christian Adams is of uh, the Public Interest Legal Foundation, otherwise known as PILF. Adams says, that's part of the smokescreen. Eric learns who gets registered from their program, so they're able to micro-target with whoever is partnered with Eric. We don't know who they're interfacing all this data with. It could be Catalyst, the massive Democrat database organization. We just don't know. I've talked to some Eric board members who are Secretary of States. They don't even know what Eric is doing. They've asked questions and cannot get answers. Eric demands additional data, like the total number of provisional ballots cast. They want totals of provisional ballots counted, provisionals uncounted, and why. They want to know who registered or updated their data, then voted that same day. They require data on those who registered using paper and those using electronic methods. They also want a list of all individuals in other agencies that perform voter registration functions. This includes staff in public libraries, Department of Public Safety, Unemployment, Department of Health, Social Services, and so on. Member states are currently using ERIC to hide their list maintenance data, citing that it violates their ERIC contracts, even though federal law mandates it be made public. The 1993 NVRA Motor Voter Law includes a public disclosure provision, which allows the public inspection of voter list maintenance records. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, with J. Christian Adams, recently sued the District of Columbia for this exact reason. They expect to sue other states as well. Those leading election audits should demand voter list maintenance records by citing the federal law USC 20507-I1 and not use the weaker FOIA requests for maintenance records. Eric was funded by an anonymous donor and the Pew Center of the States. This grant was provided by the George Soros Open Society. David Becker, an experienced Democrat election lawyer, left the Justice Department to create the Eric architecture. Originally a blue state project, Eric had 11 member states by 2014 and 22 by 2017. Eric has not published an annual report since 2017, almost five years ago. 
Becker, who still has a seat on the ERIC board, went on to create the Center for Election Innovation and Research, CEIR, in 2016. He distributed $69.5 million in grants from Zuckerberg through the Zuckerbucks Fund for the 2020 election using similar methods as the Center for Tech and Civic Life. J. Christian Adams from PILF explains, The history of Eric is important. Kansas State Crosscheck was a group of states doing this for free. This caused leftists to go wild. They sued cross-check participant states, particularly Indiana, and got court orders to basically shut down cross-check. There's no longer a competitor to Eric. Once this happened, red states started joining Eric like Georgia, Florida, and Texas. This is what really opened the floodgates to Eric's power. If a state like Georgia wants to know who's registered in both Louisiana and Georgia, there's no one else. Mr. Adams also says, One thing we do know is Eric is hiding the facts about how states are making these decisions. It's a system breakdown. It's a leveraging of power of who writes the rules. It's not just outright cheating. It's way more sophisticated involving who has power, who can see records, and who gets to vote. And who are the observers? It's Eric, a compre comprehensive site suite manipulating the process. And it's not always cheating. Sometimes it's totally legal what they do. I don't know about you guys, but Eric sounds like Hal from that movie. I'm sorry, Dave. In 2016, leaked funding documents showed Soros money, partnered with the Rockefeller Family Fund, was used to push changes to voter registration policies at the national level. Soros also gave money to Pew Center on the States for voter list maintenance practices favorable to Soros at the state level. Soros also funded the Brennan Center for Justice and the Advancement Project, these two groups became the loudest voices in opposing election integrity and stopping any effort that would ensure only U.S. citizens voted. What an interesting article, guys. I don't know what you guys think about that, but, uh, well, allow me to introduce you to Eric. I'm sure a lot of you guys already knew about it, but I'm just being silly. All right. So yeah, that is some really crazy information there, guys. Really crazy information about what exactly... So, so we can see exactly how this is starting to run together, right? How they are actually, you know, using this database to mine all of this information. They're not purging these voter rolls. They are maintaining these voter rolls and they're requiring all the states to send them all this data and information and they're not doing the job that we read on their website that they're supposed to be doing and yet it costs $25,000 to start and then it, there's like a, um, a, a nominal fee every year depending on the population size of your state. It's disgusting, and they're not even doing what they say they're supposed to be doing, rather. Isn't it funny? Didn't we say that? 
these deep state globalists, transhumanist people have a way of using our own money, using our own energy, using our own people, using our, they use everything about us against us. They use us against us on every level, our money, our energy, our life, our family, our passion. They use it against us. They use us against ourselves. It makes me sick. It makes me sick. All right. Uh, we have this um, article here from Judicial Watch. We're not going to go through all of it um, because it's, for one, we actually already covered this article about two months ago. Okay. We read the whole thing. It's another long article. Uh, the gist of the article, ladies and gentlemen, Judicial Watch uncovers dirty voter rolls and fights for election integrity. So they they take Eric to task here. That's what this article is about with Judicial Watch. Okay, it talks about the National Voting Registration Act and how that that makes it legal. What they're trying to do, etc. Uh, but then it really starts to dip into the voter registration rolls and how they're dirty, they're not clean, etc. And all of these crazy numbers. For instance, take for example. In Brooklyn, with 1.7 million registered voters, the numbers removed for this reason, zero. With 1.7 million voters registered, they did not remove a single registration. But that's the job of Eric, right? In Queens, with 1.3 million registered voters, the number that they removed, zero. Now, you know, people are moving here and there and dying every day, right? So how can there be zero voters registrations removed? In the Bronx, with 867,000 voters, only one ineligible voter was removed for whatever reason it was. In Staten Island, with 344,000 registered voters, only zero were actually removed. So what's up with that, right? It goes on to give some examples about California and some other states. It goes on to talk about litigation that they've taken. They sent out like 14 or 15 warning letters to different states in order for them to try and clean up their act. They were able to settle in uh, Iowa or Ohio. Let's see here. Uh, they success they've successfully taken on Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Okay. They filed a lawsuit in North Carolina. We actually just covered that lawsuit Two nights, uh, two, no, last episode of the Sea Report, we talked about how North Carolina um, was forced to um, settle and they had to uh, turn over all this information on ineligible illegal voters. So there's that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that's basically the gist of this article. Uh, the next piece here is the specifics about what they found in that, uh, in that investigation by Judicial Watch, okay? So it says here, a total of four years reported of ineligible voters removed. So this is what they found specifically, Judicial Watch, in the work that they've done. Here's some numbers. Sacramento County, they had over a million registered voters, and in four years, they removed zero voters. In Brooklyn, they had 1.7 million registered voters, and in four years, they removed zero voters. Uh, let's see here. In San Bernardino County, they had 1.2 million registered voters. And in four years, they removed 14. In Queens, with 1.3 million registered voters, they removed zero in four years. In Fresno County, with over 500,000, they removed two in four years. 
In fact, I don't even need to read the, uh, the number of the population. Let's just look at how many people were removed in four years. In Bronx, they removed one person in four years. In Contra Costa County, they removed one person. In uh, Stanislaus County, they removed two people. In Solano County, they removed four people. In Richmond County, including Staten Island, they removed zero people. 347,000 voters in four years, none of them are removed. New York County, including Manhattan, they removed two with 1.26 million registered voters. You know people are moving around and dying in New York County and Manhattan. So why are these numbers not reflecting that? In Nassau County, they had 1.1 million voters and they removed zero ineligible voters in four years. New York has, uh, it says here, New York has 16 counties that reported removing zero voter registrations. Oregon has 14 counties that reported removing five or fewer voter registrants. Arkansas has 11 counties and they reported removing five or fewer. And Illinois has 16 counties that reported removing zero registrants. These numbers are pretty deafening, ladies and gentlemen. Pretty deafening. This uh, deep dive into Eric is making me sick. Okay, uh, let's talk about this next article. This one's also from the Gateway Pundit. And this one is about the focus on the connections to George Soros and the Electronic Registration Information Center, guys. And actually, there was another article. It was the PJ Media article I was talking about. I'm, cons I'm considering doing a separate video about that because that article has a lot of information about George Soros's ties to funding election theft and election fraud. Interesting stuff. Okay, so this article from the Gateway Pundit goes like this. Democrats have been moving us rapidly towards a centralized interstate voter registration database. In the 90s, there were over 3,000 separate county databases. The 2002 HAVA Act pushed by Democrats required each state to create one database. We moved to having only 50 databases of voters. Granted, some counties were allowed to keep their old systems, but they must share all data with their state-authorized system. Then came ERIC, the Electronic Registration Information Center created in 2012. This nonprofit venture was to help clean voter rolls. It now has 31 member states under contract who share all voter and MVD data with ERIC. Close to 300 million records uh, uh, now. The deployment of ERIC plus the 19 holdout states leave us with 20 databases covering the entirety of America's elections. The Pew Center of the United States was a research program of the left-leaning Pew Charitable Trusts. It was in place from 2007 until 2012 headed by Susan Uren, who is now CEO over all of Pew's $6 billion in assets. David Becker worked in the DOJ Civil Rights Voting Section from 1998 until he left the organization in 2005. Oh, sorry, until 2005. He then worked for People for the American Way until 2007. A hard left organization 
focused on shutting down conservatism. In 2008, Becker became the director of election initiatives at Pew. Becker and Pew built the media sensation around voter registration, the legal framework of ERIC, while Jeff Jonas from IBM built the software technology. Pew was instrumental in getting Eric off the ground, sponsoring a 42-member work group on voter registration improvement in 2009. Washington State co-director of elections Shane Hamlin and Kim Wyman, then the Thurston County um, Washington auditor, were part of that group. In 2012, Wyman became Secretary of State for Washington. The original funding of ERIC came from an anonymous donor and Pew Center for the States, on who, uh, who received grants from the Transparency and Integrity Fund of George Soros Open Societies. But the leftist founders realized ERIC would not survive partisan politics, so the project transitioned to be fully funded by its member states. Funding documents can be found in these Soros Wayback archives under USA tab. I know I have not gone and retrieved these, but perhaps at some point I will. Kim Wyman, a big lie rhino, was an advocate of Eric even before she became Secretary of State in 2012. She was then selected by Soros-funded Aspen Institute in 2013 to their Rodal Fellowship, their liberal leadership training program. Since 2012, Wyman and Hamlin have run Washington's 100% mail-in ballot elections with many, with many controversies along the way. In October 2021, Biden offered Wyman the position of senior election security lead at CISA, replacing Chris Krebs, who was fired by President Trump, and she took it. Shane Hamlin was the original chairman of ERIC and is now the executive director, still serving as the co-director of elections for Washington State. Now retired, John Lindback was the first executive director of ERIC. He was also the senior officer in elections initiatives at Pew and part of the original 2009 work group. He later worked as senior advisor for the left-leaning KSME, a subsidiary of Soros-funded dark money group New Venture Fund. KSME was closely aligned with CTCL, Zuckerbucks. Previously, Lindback was the director of elections in Oregon for Secretary of State Bradbury. He had a seat on the EAC board and was president of the controversial NASED. Edgardo Cortez was chairman of ERIC and chairman at the EAC Standards Board. He is now an advisor to the election security team at the Soros-funded Brennan Center. In July 2011, ERIC's UVR design was presented to California officials by Shane Hamlin, IBM IT architect Jeff Butcher, Pam Smith from Verified Voting, and Jim Dempsey from Soros-funded CDT, the Center for Democracy and Technology. Due to Democrat infighting, the, C the California Assembly Bill 2344 to add ERIC to their election laws never made it. California never joined Eric. On February 14, 2012, Pew Center on the States released statements and a full study about inaccurate, costly, and inefficient voter rolls. This started the liberal push for states to join Eric and paperless voter registration.
Academia across the country helped these liberals from Caltech, MIT, University of Washington, UC Berkeley, ACLU, and many more published papers about vote reg issues. Throughout 2012, vote reg articles appeared in NPR, NYT, New York Times, USA, Today, Los Angeles Times, CNN, Politico, The Huffington Post, and so on. Eric was presented to the National Council on State Legislatures by Becker. In May of 2013, by executive order, Obama created the Presidential Commission on Election Administration. It included his personal attorney, Bob Bauer, Director of Elections for Michigan, Thomas, and Clark County Registrar, Lomax. Known for the ACORN registration scam. It also included Mitt Romney's campaign attorney, Ginsburg, and Tammy Patrick from Maricopa County Elections Compliance. She now works for the uh, she now works at the Soros partnered Democracy Fund. If I might just say again here, ladies and gentlemen, do you see how all of these people are all connected? This Eric is connected to Acorn. And this Eric is connected to Mitt Romney. And this Eric is connected to a Maricopa County elections compliance officer. And then we see what is going on with Maricopa County. And we're wondering, where did this come from? Is it just that they're finally revealing who they are? Or is it just that we're finally seeing who they are? And I, I feel like it's more the latter than the former. That this is actually happening and it's been happening for quite some time. Becker and Hamlin presented Eric to this commission, stating it will empower states to get lists of new citizens who do not appear registered to vote. As expected, the commission's final report recommended all states join Eric. In June 2013, Becker and IBM's Jonas presented Eric a IBM Edge at IBM Edge, their annual user conference with 5,000 attendees. In 2014, the Senate Rules Committee, headed uh, by Chuck Schumer, held three hearings to expand voter registration and pushed Eric. After these promotions, states joined Eric, but somehow, somehow, our voter rolls never get clean. In 2020, Judicial Watch found 29 states... In 2020, Judicial Watch found 29 states uh, had huge registration access excesses. In eight states, if you combined all counties, their average registration for the entire state exceeded 100%. Seven of the eight are longtime members of uh, longtime members of Eric, Alaska, Colorado, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, Rhode Island, and Vermont. In fact, Wyman's own Washington had 14 of 39 counties exceeding 100%. Colorado, a huge pop proponent and also eight-year member of Eric, had 40 to 64 counties exceeding 100%. They were sued by Judicial Watch for this election fraud. So who is in control of Eric and what's really going on here? IBM's Jeff Jonas and Jeff Butcher, who both designed Eric's technology, went on to co-found Sensing in 2016. This is the data matching AI that runs Eric. 
In a 2018 New York Times interview, Jonas says Eric has a a two-person staff. One tends to the constantly growing database. Sensing Sensing manages the evolution of the AIR, but has no headquarters. Their 20 full-time employees work from wherever they please. Pardon me, ladies and gentlemen. Work from wherever they please. In 2018, Jonas went full nomad and became an extreme minimalist. Selling his belongings and living out of a duffel, Jonas uh, donates to Democrats. Harry Reid, Dick Durbin, Obama for America, and Bernie Sanders, to name a few. Erica Haas is the system engineer at Eric for now nine years. She previously worked in the Oregon Secretary of State's office with Lindback. In February 2008, uh, in 2018, DHS created the Election Security Infrastructure Sector Coordinating Council. Haas shares a seat on this council with staff from Dominion, ES&S, Smartmatic, and Unison Voting. SCC represents 30 companies responsible for providing key components to our elections, including public policy. The SCC group rubs noses with GCC Council, which includes CISA, EAC, NASS, and NASED. That is the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security um, Alliance or Association or whatever. That is the Election Assistance Commission. That is the National Association of Secretaries of State. And that is the National Association of Election Directors, State Election Directors. Okay, so you see how this is all very inbred, ladies and gentlemen? How this is all very inbred. And they all work together in cahoots under different umbrellas and different monikers with different faces, but they all have the same goal. This insider bootlicking and glad-handing is the result of former DHS director Jay Johnson declaring our elections critical infrastructure. David Becker, the leader, the lead driver of Eric, is truly a scoundrel. In 2016, he founded CEIR. He distributed $69.5 million in Zuckerberg money in 2020, aligned with the CTCL. While at the DOJ, Becker was reported to OPR Ethics. Brad Schultzman, head of DOJ Civil Rights Division, stated, It's the most unethical thing I've ever seen. He's a hardcore leftist who could not stand conservatives. Emails revealed nasty, disparaging remarks about Republicans, unethical and unprofessional. In 2020, Becker's CEIR gave $20 million to Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson's personal nonprofit MCELA. She then directed $11.8 million to two Democrat PR firms. The Gateway Pundit reported how Becker founded the EOLDN to help election officials with lawyers who would fend off legitimate claims of election fraud. In 2013, RTI International provided their Stage 1 evaluation of ERIC members, uh, member states after giving tens of millions of voter records to this ERIC nonprofit. The initial seven, Colorado, Delaware, Maryland, Nevada, Utah, and Virginia, 
found a measly 0.8% increase in voter registrations. Stage 2 evaluation was not made public. Woohoo, ladies and gentlemen. So there you see all the strings attached, everything tied together at about exactly what is going on here at Eric. A lot of untoward things are going on at Eric, ladies and gentlemen. So, well, there you have it. Uh, we have ties to the Pew Charitable Trust. We have ties to all of these election in, uh, election uh, organizations. It's, it's crazy, y'all, exactly how it's so inbred and so stuck together. But, you know, that's not to say that the states have not finally started to realize this. Maybe it's a little bit too late. Maybe it's not. Now, before I tell you who this individual I have on my uh, screen is, uh, I just wanted to thank you all for joining us again as we are here now and live at the Sea Report going into this deep dive at, um, at Eric, this election registration information center. If you're live with us on Rumble, if you're live with us over at Clout Hub, if you're live with us at Twitch, uh, thank you for being here and with us now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, your presence, as always, is deeply appreciated. If you're over there at Foxhole or you're over there at Pilled, better luck next time. I guess they just didn't take care of it today. Uh, but it seems that we have been nuked off their platform again. But wait, I forgot. I know how to fix this. Let me go ahead and fix this real quick. We'll get back live over there, hopefully. I don't know. Maybe it won't work this time. Maybe it will. Let's find out. Do, 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 do. I'm also taking a little bit of a break from all that uh, sharing of information. Oh, you know what? I forgot. I have to do one other thing. Give me one moment. Please allow me one moment, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, while I get this fixed up here, ladies and gentlemen, and ready to go, why don't you have a little piece of... Well, let's call this a palate cleanser. How about that? I am, I your, am voice. your voice. So to every, so to every parent, parent who dreams, who for, dreams their child, for their child, and every child, and every child who dreams, who for, their dreams future, for their future, I say, I these, say words these words to you, to tonight. you tonight. I am with you. I am with you. I will fight for I will you. Fight for you, and I will and win, I will for, win you. for you. To all Americans, to all Americans tonight, in all of our in cities, all of our cities, and in all of, our, in towns, all of our towns, I make I this make promise. this promise. We will make we will make America, America strong, again. strong again. We will make, we will make America, America proud again. We will make we will make America, America safe, again. safe again. And we and will we make will America, America great, again. great again. God bless God you. Bless you. Good night. Good night. I love you. I love you. I love you, ladies and gentlemen. We're back live on Foxhole and Pilled. I told you I could fix it. I think what happened is like 
Tron went live and they took up all the bandwidth or something. It just kicked me off. So we're back live. If you are joining us over at Twitch or if you're, yeah, I could see everyone jumping ship. They're all going back to, uh, they're all going back to Foxhole and to, uh, you know, <laughs> actually they're like, oh shit, Tron's on. Let me go see them instead. Anyways, do you have an echo? Oh, there was an echo. It's okay. Sorry about it, Aurelius. We're back. We're back. Yeah, I figured out how to... No, that's not a DDoS. That's just uh, greedy bandwidth hoggers. That's all it is. Anyways, okay. But we're back on, guys. So let's talk... You Speaking of hogs, let's talk about this man right here. Okay. Now, where we last left off, and maybe some of you guys are not aware of it, because I don't know how long my, my, uh, my show got nuked here for... Uh, but we're back, so that's good. We're back. That's the only thing that matters. Okay. Uh, yeah, no. The show was totally knocked off. Like, like it doesn't even show that I'm live anymore knocked off. Like, that's a little bit... I mean, that's when I'm saying I'm nuked, ladies and gentlemen. Because, uh, you know, normally whenever... Sorry, family. I mean, sorry, everyone. We're we're talking. Uh, we're talking specific platforms here. Uh, normally, whenever I just get that spinning death wheel, it still shows I'm live. But you know, lately I just get totally nuked. Like you ain't even live, Mister C. Like we're not even give your audience the hope of a of a, a, a smattering that you're even live. Anyways, enough about that crap. So, point of the matter is we're live again, and uh, everything's being worked on behind the scenes. So fear not, ladies and gentlemen, take heart and hope in that which you have, uh, you know, indomitable trust and love for. It'll work out in the end. And hey, at least I'm on the top of the chain now. So that's kind of fun too. Okay, guys. Now, where we last left off is we were talking about George Soros's connections to Eric and uh, all of the other left-leaning progressive organizations that have been pushing this Trojan horse of a database onto the American people and into the electoral process. But what we're going to look at now, because we're wrapping up the night, we're wrapping up the show for tonight, guys. We're we're in the home stretch. Got a couple of more stories to share with you, and we're done. And these stories have to do with states who are currently fighting back, ladies and gentlemen. The states who are currently fighting back against Eric as being some type of, uh, you know, a parasitic organization that is in fact um, stri stripping American Americans of their vote and uh, defiling and debauching the electoral process. I'm sorry, I, stu I, got, I got distracted by this man's tie. <laughs> Believe it or not, look at his tie. It reminded me of an album cover to some band I like. I, I was just like, ooh, look at that tie. It's pretty. Okay, all right. So uh, the man you see on the screen, his name is Secretary of State Kyle Ardowin. If you reside in the state of Louisiana, this man's face might be familiar to yours. Now, um, I have caught Kyle Ardowin doing some unseemly things for election integrity, such as being a member of the National Association of Secretaries of State. He might be like, well, you know, I, I have to be part of the club, you know, but uh, that is just a progressive hothouse over there for um, treasonous representatives. I'm just saying. But it appears uh, Secretary of State Kyle Arduin for the state of Louisiana 
has decided to suspend the contract between the state of Louisiana and the Election Registration Information Center. Good stuff, guys. Good stuff. So our hat goes off to you, Secretary of State Arduin of the state of Louisiana, for being the first state to suspend that contract. Let's take a look at this press release that he uh, issued back on January 27th. It says here, Secretary of State Kyle Arduin has announced that Louisiana will suspend its participation in the Electronic Registration Information Center, effective immediately. The announcement comes amid concerns raised by citizens, government watchdog organizations, and media reports about potential questionable funding sources, and that possibly partisan actors may have access to ERIC network data for political purposes, potentially undermining voter confidence. When Louisiana joined Eric under my predecessor, we did so under the impression that it would enhance the accuracy of our voter rolls and strengthen Louisiana's election integrity. After reading about these allegations and speaking with election attorneys and experts, I have determined that it may no longer be in Louisiana's best interest to participate in this organization, Secretary Arduin said. It is vital that any legitimate allegation of voter fraud or possible misuse of our voters' personal information is investigated. My job is to ensure that the data voters entrust to my office is protected. I look forward to Eric's swift response to these allegations. Eric was founded in 2012 by seven states, including Colorado, Delaware, Maryland, Nevada, Utah, Virginia, Washington, and the Pew Charitable Trusts. It has since grown to include 30 states and the District of Columbia. Louisiana joined the organization in 2014. Here, here, Secretary of State for Louisiana, Kyle Arduin. Good job, sir. Good job. That's what we're talking about. That's what a Secretary of State is supposed to do. They're supposed to secure the elections. They're not supposed to allow this riffraff to run amok and take advantage of the people who live and vote in that state. So that's a good thing, guys. The ball is rolling. You know what this is also a big signifier of? This really signifies that... The mainstream, lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, propaganda media is dead because this report and the following two, as we wrap up tonight that I'm going to share with you, they got all their information from the independent patriot media. They got their information from all of the, uh, the, the small media guys that uh, supposedly are not anywhere near Main Street. But guess what? They are the media, we are the media, they are the news, we are the news, ladies and gentlemen. All of us tiny little razor blades that keep just paper cutting into the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, mockingbird, legacy, propaganda media. That is us, ladies and gentlemen. That is us. Death by a thousand cuts and a few sex scandals at the hands of executive producers. And not to mention Project Veritas. 
kicking some butt and shaking some hips, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Fincham, ladies and gentlemen. One of the men that I most respect, one of my rock stars, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Fincham here. The only thing I can say about this and regards to Mark Fincham is this is a good case for why men should not use filters on photos. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. But Mark Fincham has now, as candidate for Secretary of State in the state of Arizona, has now put up the battle cry. In addition, in addition to also laying down a resolution in the House of Arizona to decertify the elections of 2020 in their state, he is also seeking to get Eric out of the state. They're like, Eric, you get the heck out of here. Eric, we're done with you, boy. We're done with you, you electronic rigging information system. That's what that is. They are the election rigging information center. They are not the election registration. They're the election rigging information center. You heard it here first at the C report. Okay. All right. You hear it anywhere else. You make sure you give them credit where credit is due. We don't care about credit here. Now, this is what Fincham has to say in a press release dated today. He sent this to my email personally. It says here, time for Arizona to end participation in voter registration compact. Secretary of State candidate Mark Fincham uh, calls for Arizona to end participation in the electronic rigging information center. The call to cease participation is taken amid concerns raised by citizens, government watchdog groups, cybersecurity professionals, state elections officials from other states, and credible media reports about potentially questionable funding sources that lack arm's length separation from partisan actors who may have access to ERIC network data for political purposes. These circumstances undermine voter confidence in the election system, moreover, and they ultimately translate into doubts about election integrity. When Arizona joined Eric, the former Secretary of State did so under the impression that it would be secure and that it would enhance the accuracy of our voter rolls, strengthening Arizona's election system integrity. After learning of potential vulnerabilities and the potential for partisan exploitation of the database, which drove close scrutiny of Eric, it appears that participation may no longer be in the best interest of Arizona voters. I support the investigation of any legitimate allegation of voter fraud or possible misuse of our voters' personal information. The task of the Secretary of State is to ensure that the data voters have entrusted to the elections officials is secure and well protected. I have serious reservations that it is not. Did he just copy that from SOS Arduin's uh, press release? Because it sure sounds like it, Mr. Fincham. Uh, it concludes, Eric was founded in 2012 by seven states, including Colorado, Delaware, Maryland, Nevada, Utah, Virginia, Washington, and the Pew Charitable Trusts. It has since grown to include 30 states and the District of Columbia. Arizona joined the organization in 2017. He totally just copied and pasted that from Secretary of State Arduin's press release. And I don't blame him or find him at fault. Not by any means, ladies and gentlemen. 
A number of questions have arisen about access to data for use other than its intended purpose, which is to keep voter rolls up to date, preventing one voter from voting multiple times. Every illegitimate vote nullifies another vote in opposition and put the thumb of inappropriate advantage on the scale of fairness. Very, very interesting article. Very good press release. The uh, wave of election fraud that crashed into America on November 3rd, 2020, almost two years ago, right? 2022, that's where we are right now. Oh yeah, everything is coming home to roost right now. And uh, well, I don't think we'll see many people who see otherwise in these parts after that date because uh, after all, they can't admit that they took a shot that they didn't need to take and they're probably going to die. Now, the last uh, piece of information I have here is in regards to the state of Florida. It appears that in Florida, we have uh, one of the political parties is actually warning and urging their state legislature, the, the fellow members of their house and other voters to uh, get rid of Eric. Uh, this uh, little piece of graphic here is actually from, I really can't stand it when organizations use social media websites as their official homepage, but well, here you have the log cabin Republicans of Ocala, Florida, urging hashtag end Eric in Florida. If a state is not a member of Eric, and that is all Florida is using to determine voter registrations elsewhere, how do they find out about the other 19? They need clarification from their secretary of state. And uh, there you see they have an illustration of all the states that use the, the election rigging information center in their states. Now, it does have Louisiana there at the bottom as being um, a beige color as opposed to red because they just canceled their membership. Uh, and next, uh, uh, this is uh, the next um, uh, graphic here. A grassroots Republicans warn of Democrat Floridians using part-time Florida residents' votes to steal the 2022 election from DeSantis using gateway pundit information on Eric, the election rigging information center. So this is starting to spread, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, we'll most, I mean, we just heard in South Carolina, guys, we just heard it in South Carolina. In South Carolina, they're also looking at Eric and they're also looking to uh, separate from that, to augment it and to find methods of accountability that seems to be escaping all these people who allow these types of activities, this fraud, this rigging, these lies and this deception to carry forth until this day ladies and gentlemen. And may it happen here in the state of Texas too. If I could get a hold of Governor West, I'll tell you guys, I'm sure he would agree. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, we are at the conclusion of tonight's episode. Thank you again for joining us here at the Sea Report. We are here Monday through Friday at various times. Uh, you can most definitely uh, subscribe to us on platforms, Rumble, Twitch, Pill.net, the Foxhole.app, and Clout Hub, as I'm sure uh, these platforms have methods of sending out notifications so you'll know when we are live.
And we'll be doing it again tomorrow, guys. Uh, don't forget to check us out at The Sea Report before we give our website a facelift where we will have numerous resources available on the articles and the videos as well as the documents that we cite here on this show. And also, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget about our podcast, anchor.fm slash the C report, where you can take the C report on the go and in your ears when your eyeballs are a little bit too busy to listen. That's anchor.fm slash the C report. Subscribe to us for free on all major podcasting platforms, except for iHeartRadio. We're still on Spotify. And uh, based on everything that's going on with Joe Rogan, I don't think we're going to get kicked off of there because after all, we're not going to (laughs) self-censor. All right, guys. Thank you again for joining us tonight. Um, Your attendance and your presence is appreciated as always. And as always, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We will see you tomorrow. America is a land of heroes, a place where greatness is born, where destinies are forged, and where legends come to life. This is the home of Thomas Edison and Teddy Roosevelt, of many great generals, including Washington, Pershing, Patton, and MacArthur. This is the home of Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, Amelia Earhart, Harriet Tubman, the Wright brothers, Neil Armstrong, and so many more. This is the country where children learn names like Wyatt Earp, Davy Crockett, and Annie Oakley. This is the place where the Pilgrims landed at Plymouth and where Texas Patriots made their last stand at the Alamo. The American nation was carved out of the vast frontier by the toughest strongest, fiercest, and most determined men and women ever to walk on the face of the earth. Our ancestors braved the unknown, tamed the wilderness, settled the Wild West, lifted millions from poverty, disease, and hunger, vanquished tyranny and fascism, ushered the world to new heights of science and medicine, laid down the railroads, dug out the canals, raised up the skyscrapers. Our ancestors built the most exceptional republic ever to exist in all of human history, and we are making it greater than ever before. This is our glorious and magnificent inheritance. We are Americans. We are pioneers. We are the pathfinders. We settled the new world. We built the modern world, and we change history forever by embracing the eternal truth that everyone is made equal by the hand of Almighty God. America is the place where anything can happen. America is the place where anyone can rise. And here, on this land, on this soil, on this continent, the most incredible dreams come true. This nation is our canvas, and this country is our masterpiece. We look at tomorrow and see unlimited frontiers just waiting to be explored.
Our brightest discoveries are not yet known. Our most thrilling stories are not yet told. Our grandest journeys are not yet made. The American age, the American epic, the American adventure has only just begun. Our spirit is still young. The sun is still rising. God's grace is still shining. And my fellow Americans, the best is yet to come.